quick question for you. Are you a Federal Access member yet? If you're a government contractor, you need a Federal Access account. You can get started today with a free membership. Just visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Free members get access to about 20 documents and templates as well as our video playbooks. More importantly, this gets you in the RSM Federal ecosystem and makes you part of our community. So go grab your free account today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Welcome to another episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. I want to talk to you today about a report that I read last week, and this was from the SBA's OIG, and the report is around FY22 challenges. And so I really like the transparency of a report like this. And normally when you read a report from the government, it's actually, there's just so much in it. There's pages and pages of stuff where you're like, I'm trying to decipher what they're saying. And I want to give credit where credit is due here. This is one of those reports that I read and it had so much clarity to it. I like how they spell out the challenges and what they're working on and they address that, hey, some of these are going to be continuing issues. And so there were eight specific things that the report called out. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll know that I talked about three specific challenges in here. It's challenge one, two, and five. And I just, I only have a couple of minutes on LinkedIn. So I wanted to kind of go a little bit more in depth in this podcast about it and tell you a little bit more about what I was thinking. So issue number one or challenge number one was fraud with the economic relief programs. And so there were a lot of issues with that. And I think, uh, you know, anytime we see any sort of natural disaster or emergency crisis, fill in the blank, whatever it is, anytime there's large amounts of money up for grabs, there's a lot of people that'll do the wrong thing. There's innocent people that will go and get it and maybe use it incorrectly. And so right now, the government has tagged about 70,000 loans, totaling more than $4.6 billion in potential fraudulent PPP loans. So what does that mean for you in 2022 and beyond? So this is something that I said right at the beginning of this program. When they started the PPP loans, I said, look, if you don't need it, don't get it. Not that you won't be able to use it, but here's the challenge is I felt that just like I said earlier in the show that when stuff like this comes out, there's a lot of fraud that happens and it's going to open your company up and the potential for you to get an audit, the potential for you to go through a long process of, of redocumenting all your documentation, all that kind of stuff. It I really, I saw the potential for this to be painful. And so if you took one of these loans, I want you to be aware that, hey, they called this out. This is something they're looking at. Yes, there's actions that have already been taken, but I don't expect this to go away. So I expect them to continue to look at these loans. I expect if, if you've taken any amount and maybe they look at it and say, hey, well, anything under $50,000, we're not going to audit or whatever. But who knows? They may look at it and say across the board, we're going to go look at this. And especially if you wound up with significant significant amounts of money. I do see them coming back and looking at this and scrutinizing it heavily. So just be prepared. Make sure you keep all of the documentation you have on this. I know it's tempting that once you submit something, maybe you file it away or archive
archive it somewhere. Keep this stuff close because I guarantee you're going to need this stuff in the near future. I would suspect 75% or more of the people that got these loans are going to wind up in some sort of audit or at least the government coming and taking a look at some level, maybe not a detailed audit, but at some level. And so that's just my guess. Don't, that's not, that's not something I've seen, but I do personally believe they're going to come back and look at a lot of these loans. So that was challenge number one. It talked about several other things in there. You can go read the report. I'll have uh, a link to the report in the, the description for this podcast, and you can go click on it and read the report in detail about that one. The other ones that I want to talk about are challenge number two and challenge number five. So challenge number two is inaccurate procurement data and eligibility concerns in small business contracting that undermine the reliability of contracting goal achievements. And so when I looked at this one, I was like, ooh, this is going to be a very interesting one. And of course it was. They outlined two specific issues that jumped out at me. One was that agencies are receiving credit for ineligible firms that are no longer in the Hub Zone or 8A programs. And you could ask, well, how could that possibly happen? Well, it's just paperwork. And so we have people that are graduating out of 8A. We have people that are no longer eligible for 8A because you've got to continue to meet all those requirements. And one of the things is it doesn't sound like the government is actually monitoring that very close. So when it comes to making sure people renew their eligibility in the 8A program, they're not on top of that as well. At least that's how I read it. So that was my interpretation of what I read. And so, and then you've got the hub zone issue, which was in, in 2020, I believe they, uh, Congress passed this change to hub zone. And so it really only mattered about where your employees lived for the first 180 days you were in the program. So let's say when you initiated the hub zone uh, certification, all of your employees lived in the hub zone. And then 180 days later, business is doing well. They all decide to move. And now no one lives in there, but maybe the owner. Well, that would not have qualified you initially into the hub zone program. But now because you've gone that 180 days, you're you're still in the program at this point. And so that was not necessarily the intent of the changes they made there. And so there's some challenges with hub zone eligibility, 8A eligibility, all those kind of things and organizations getting credit for those things. And so that's a problem. The other one was women-owned business. uh, The small business certification program was very susceptible to abuse. And so I've talked about this one for years. I have seen a lot of companies that I didn't think qualified for it that had it. And it's just one of those things where the the paperwork was just too easy to manipulate and and get uh, approved for this one. And so they made some changes to the program last year. There's a new online self-certification system for that. And apparently it received about 15,000 applications. It approved just over 3,200 and it uh, denied around 87 of those applications. And then they asked for more information on 12,000 of the applications. So that's telling me that the government is trying to scrutinize this a little bit better. And I think that's a good thing. Again, I said this at the very beginning of this point here. I do believe that uh, this one has been very easily manipulated in the market and I'd like to see some stricter guidance around it. So one takeaway that I had from looking at those numbers. So think about that 15,000 applications submitted, 12,000 were kicked back and asked for for extra information. When I look at those numbers, I want anybody who is applying for that to understand that even if everything is right, the government's going to kick that back and ask questions sometimes. That's 
like 75% of the applications that were submitted were kicked back and they asked for more information. So don't worry if you are applying for that and it gets kicked back. That's part of the process right now. They're just trying to do their due diligence and make sure you are a woman-owned small business. So that was challenge number two. Challenge number five was one that I found really interesting. And so this one states the SBA's management and monitoring of the 8A business development program needs improvement. And if you have been following me for a while, you know that I always complain about this program. And I I think the concept of the program is great. I love the concept of the program, but I think there are some challenges that need addressed. And I actually got excited about seeing this one because I felt like, hey, the SBA is acknowledging that the program needs improvement. It's time to work on some areas. And so here are a couple of the areas that I liked. These are the issues they pointed out. The first one is that they are continuing to address the, uh, the SBA's ability to develop firms in the program and measure results. So one of the things that it looked at was there isn't really good tracking from years one through nine in the program. So like the reporting mechanisms, software, all that kind of stuff, there really isn't a good system for that and they need to fix it. And so I assume as they start to look at that, they're going to find issues with the program where they can develop it better. And I really do think this will help improve this program because again, I think too many companies get in the program in think this is the golden ticket. This is going to deliver a lot of stuff for me. And they don't take advantage of any education. They don't really learn how to grow the business. They just leverage the status and then they graduate. And then a year or two later, they're out of business because they've been leveraging the status for nine years, but not really understanding how to grow as a company and how to win contracts without their 8A. And so I think that's a really important point. I hope the the SBA brings in more partners, even like us, even like RSM Federal, to come in and do some training with 8As so that we can help them through this program and make sure that they are success afterwards. And so that's my little soapbox there for that one. Um, They also talked about the streamlined application process and how it may expose the 8A program to higher fraud. So similar to as the WSB situation where they've noticed fraud and so they had streamlined their application and I think that was exposing them to a higher risk of that. And so when you look at the ability to do a a fast application process, it does open yourself up to a lot of things. So I would expect that we see some changes in that. Another issue they pointed out was that corrective actions are needed to improve the continuing eligibility process and reduce risks of ineligible firms participating in the 8A program. And so that ties into challenge number two. We just talked about that one a few minutes ago where organizations were receiving credit for ineligible 8As. Well, they want a better control on this so that they can improve the eligibility process and reporting and things like that. So they want to monitor that. So if you're an 8A, guess what this means for you? I will bet my money on them making a change that has either an annual report or something in there and different mechanisms in that and how it gets reported to the SBA to make sure you continue to be eligible for 8A. Again, that's just how I read into it. Another thing is an issue they pointed out was that economically disadvantaged determination criteria should be based on sound methodology. So basically they thought the criteria was a bit vague and so they need to make some changes to that. So I think all of these sound like 
good things for the the 8A program, for the WSB program, uh, for small businesses in general. And so I would expect to see some changes over the next year or two, maybe three. Uh, So one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is I want people to read through this. If you are WSB, if you're HubZone, if you're 8A, pay attention to this because again, I do see some changes. I don't know how that's going to impact anything. I don't know how it's going to impact you specifically, but this is a heads up that the SBA has identified a few things things and they want to see some changes. And so different people are going to get a hold of this report from people in Congress to advocacy groups and things like that. And they're going to say, hey, here's an opportunity for us to make some fixes. And all of those fixes come out in the form of different legislation. So that's why I want to talk to you about this one today, give you the heads up, give you a link to the actual report so you can go read it for yourself, read through all of the other things, because there's some other good ones in there. But these were the highlights that I thought the majority of our clients would be interested. So if you have questions, I would refer you to the report first. If you go read the report and still have questions, please reach out to me. I'd love to help you uh, kind of think through this process and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash game changers.